Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the age, you're going to leave that in, aren't you? This is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Uh, we had to talk about the cricket. and We had no choice. It's the first day of the Ashes. And we're very lucky to have Rob Key, former England batsman, get involved in that conversation. Give us his considered I verdict. My view. You did. Less, slightly less considered. Um, Mickey Gray joined us as well. And uh, he's our man in Manchester these days, former Sunderland and City fullback. We looked at Manchester United tonight and some of the changes in the coaching. And what else did we bring you today? Uh, there's something else we liked. I can only imagine what it was. Uh, where was it? It's um, what else? Did I... Oh, let it be a surprise. Oh yeah, let's say it's a lucky dip. Lucky dip. Uh, so. Um, yeah, uh, we had a bit of a conversation, uh, and Andy had a moan, as you can imagine. So here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Oh, good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. And obviously, he knew immediately moving parts was out first ball. Yeah. <laughs> you knew. Yeah. Leg stump half volley. Should have gone for four. I know. Oh, honestly. I mean, he's a good guy and everything. It's, none of this criticism is personal, is it? But honestly, how is he opening the batting for England? I've never seen anybody with a technique. Even when he makes a 100, he, he's usually... Dropped about four or five times. It's, you know, and Root, I mean, he's a great player, but a terrible captain. I mean, he's got no instincts. You know, you don't even need to be a cricket genius to think we're underprepared, bowling is our strong suit, this is a green pitch, mm. and it's overcast. Yeah. What on earth will possess you to bat in those conditions? It's yeah. ridiculous. I just heard Steve Harmison. I saw Steve yesterday just as he was leaving the building. He'd been doing a little bit of work here, and of course, you'll hear him on breakfast over the course of the week. But he said to me, our best chances is we win the toss, we have a bowl. Um, and uh, Stuart Broad, the David Warner, all those old battles. So sure enough, uh, what happens? No Stuart Broad and mm. we decide to bat. I mean, basically, unless it rains for a month or I don't know what else could happen, it's 5-0. I mean, it is, it's 5-0. I mean, <laughs> India got thrashed there in the first test last winter. But there was no crowd, which makes a big difference. Mm. And they're India. They're actually quite good, as opposed yeah. to us. Well, so, no, it's a couple of day-nighters, Andy. You shouldn't rule that out. And they, no, can, no. they can help England. I'm ruling it all out. I've, I've, uh... You sound like Glenn McGrath. <laughs> no, <Dave. laughs> I've decided it's time to bring them home. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. We're going to play it. That's the coach and Joe Root. Okay. In fact, all of them. Bring Silvers back. <laughs> bring them home. But on the boat. That very slow way back. Save the pain. 
Give anyway, them, let's talk about football. Give them time and money over. Too painful. Yeah, I think we all did the same thing. We were yeah. chatting about it, weren't we? Us and the production team. We all, uh, when we realised there was a bit of jeopardy in the uh, Atletico Madrid game, Porto, and it was looking yeah. uh, tasty. That's where we went, and it was a, it was worth it. it we had a live lead last 15, 20 minutes. It was minutes. so exciting, and it turned over to see a lot of sending offs, a lot of punch ups, and the commentators say it's a very ugly spectacle. And, and we do apologise. You think? What are you talking about? We loved it. It was great. I don't think the French ref enjoyed it much, but no. uh, I always think this bloke Grealich, I've said this before, Grealich plays for Porto. He's got to be known as Jack in the dressing room, isn't he? Uh, Jack yeah. Grealich. I don't think you'd have to be. I'd like to think he's known as Jack in the dressing room. And one of the players, I think his name was Tikatita, he came on. He had like a. Do you always keep singing the ABBA song when he. When he I'm surprised you haven't done a musical version of it. <laughs> he, um, he had a love bite. Well, it wasn't actually. It was a pink. And when I looked closer, I had to stop and go back and look at it. It was a tattoo of pink lips on his neck. It must be his wife or his girlfriend's lips. You thought he had a hickey, did you? I did think he was a, yes. Okay, fair enough. Are they still a thing? I've got no idea. You know, times have changed, Andy. I see Andy coming in to work with his roll neck on like like you did at school, you know. Why are you wearing a roll neck under your shirt? It's like... And I was watching the goal degrees show. Outside. We, we've said before what a great show the goal yeah. show is on BT. It's very entertaining. But uh, and James Horncastle is great. But he, I don't think he's had his haircut since pre-lockdown. <laughs> Talk about the Rapunzel situation. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, okay, I, it's just a man with long hair. Oh, I it's think too long. You had hair that long one day, Andy, and, and, and I had to get rid of ago. it. Well, I know. And Barella was sent. I've never seen this in football. Barella was sent off for punching Militao's calf. Yeah, I've never seen that. It was incredible. And the old actually, calf punch. I tried it on my own calf, and it is actually quite painful. So I can see why. It's never quite the same when you punch yourself, though, is it? Because I, don't but I think wanted you... to test whether it was sort of you know, it was li- whether it sort of limited your ability to run, or whether Barilla Barilla was being quite clever. He thought he'd slow military. Strange down. man you are. Well, not really. Who who sees something <laughs> like that? I think, does it hurt if you punch yourself in the? Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> He's a very strange man. No, I don't think so. Do you know anybody as strange as Andy? I don't expect any emails or texts on that. And it's a very odd thing to do. Can, isn't it? can we thank Matt Scott for his excellent Twitter feed? It's the yeah. gift that goes on giving. It's really yeah. marvellous. I so enjoyed it on Monday night because I came in at one nil. and I was thinking, I'm not going to watch much of this really. It's the last half hour. And then they started trying to time waste after 60 minutes. I was thinking, though, this is probably a bad move. And then by the end, it was fantastic, wasn't yeah. it? How enjoyable was You that? enjoy the Schadenfreude of our old mate Matt Scott, big Arsenal fan. You enjoy his tweets from the. Yes, yeah, the, the, the optimism at the start. <laughs> yeah, it always goes from we'll be getting the team, the bus out, the open top bus outside Islington Town Hall to complete this. To bet. Arteta out. <laughs> yeah. No, he'd never say Arteta no, out. He, he believes he that. believes in the project. Well, you've got to believe in the project, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, I suppose so. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Now, if you had quite an early night, a massively long lay-in today, mm. and you don't know what happened in the ashes, the news is not good from England's point of view. You they won't were. be interested if you did that. Rory, <laughs> <laughs> Rory Burns went uh, first ball. Never what a, great. What a surprise, yeah. Daddles the duck. It's great to see Daddles, not in those circumstances. He'd be working but, overtime, but, Daddles. He'd be exhausted by the time Christmas comes. He's going to get a sponsor all the walking he's going to do, raise some money. A little duck that walks across your screen uh, when there's, a, when there's a, a duck, obviously, in the cricket. Anyway, um, let's look at what went wrong for England uh, in the company of man who's uh, played the Nashes series. It is uh, former England batsman Robert Key. Good afternoon, Rob. You know, I'm just loving the thought of that duck doing a sponsored walk. Yeah. That would be one of the. I mean, I would send money to that straight yeah. away. I think that's one of the great shouts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Now, look, we will go over old ground briefly because it, yeah, can you? It's interesting to get as a professional cricket. You can maybe put us inside the mind of Joe Root uh, and Silvers and, and the rest of the, the decision makers, but. Why did we bat and why is Stuart Broad not play? Can you see the sense in either? Sorry, why did we not bowl? Why Can you see the sense in either? No, but I, I could probably try and explain the thinking. I mean, mm. they, they generally think that, you know, they're so worried worried about winning the toss out in Australia and sticking the opposition in because of what NASA did, because of what's happened in the past. And the Kookaburra ball sort of scares people because it doesn't do as much. So you get on a green pitch and you think, yeah, but it's all going to stop doing anything after a couple of hours. But this was a different circumstance. When I was out there in 2003 at NASA Bowl, I mean, it hadn't rained for what seemed like a month before then, and it just looked as dry as anything. Whereas now with this one, I mean, you saw, I saw it on the TV because we all got hindsight mm. or the benefit of hindsight. But I remember looking at that on the TV and thinking, you know, I'd have a bowl here. I think that's the thing to do. That's the safe thing to do as well. Mm. Um but, yeah, so so you can sort of see why I think Ath's written about, Michael Ath's written about the ghosts of sort of captain's past and all that that weighs on your head. And it's not easy as a captain, but it's the wrong thing. The Stuart Broad one, I mean, I just hope that they are think that, that they've done it because they think that this is their best bowling attack. Not I've not enjoyed over the last year this England team trying to overthink things with, well, let's make sure that, we're playing four seamers or three seamers in the day-night test in in India. So we'll save people for that. And it mm. then spun square because they'd already picked the team sort of two test matches before. So if they think that, you know, this is their best bowling attack, that's fine. I've got no issue with that. Wokes, Robinson, they're all good. But I would have gone in with Broad on this because of Broad and Warner. Mm, yeah. Warner's going to be the key tomorrow. You know, tomorrow, if Warner, or well, tonight, whenever <laughs> it is, if Warner gets off to a flyer, we're done. Mm. And Broad, David Warner would have been the happiest man in the world about the fact Stuart Broad wasn't playing. Absolutely. I mean, you know, they, they only need to score 250 and the game's over. I mean, you know, the way we bat, it's just hope. <laughs> yeah. It is. You know, you've just got no faith in this. Um, Joe Root's such a brilliant player, but um, do you think he's a good captain? I, I look at him and think, I don't. I just don't think he has the instinct for it. I just don't. 
But this is the thing with captains, isn't it? I mean, it's early days yet in this Ashes series. You know, sometimes you have great captains who are tactically brilliant, their man management's appalling, you know, and you have captains that their man management is brilliant and they're tactically, they're, they just can't get a feel for the game. Some of the England captains that have gone by haven't necessarily been the world's greatest tacticians and stuff like that. But it's the people around you as well that you need. Um and that's that's where you think that someone like Stokes coming back and Butler and people like that they have to drive this this team forward, um, you know. And that's where Root, you know, where he's weak in parts. That's where they've got to step up. So it's not just him. It's you know, there's a fair think tank there. You'd say. What did you th- What do you think of uh, Hamid and his his performance? I like. He, he, I thought he shaped up well. I mean, I am someone that I want players who look to be a bit more aggressive personally. I like Hamid. But I just think in Australia, I went on that trip with Michael Vaughan. He 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 had two schools of thought. You had the older players who literally they got McGrath's length and they just looked to leave it and survive against it. Michael Vaughan, who was a newer generation, he looked to pull it and score against it. And you watch how Josh Butler played. That's how I think to a degree you've got to look to play. And Hamid you know, someone's got to set the tone for England with the bat, um, you know, and hopefully he can do that. And uh, it's true that India did lose the first test in Australia last year and then came back, but, you know, they're India. So you, you don't have the same faith <laughs> that England can do the same, really. I mean, the only way they're in this game is if they, you know, bowl them out for roughly the same, and that's going to be difficult. Yeah, it is. I, I still think that this Australian team's vulnerable as well, certainly with the bat. We've seen the best of them with the ball. Um, but England just have to be, you know, England have to be brave with it. You know, whatever happens here, I, I think it's going to be hard work um, tomorrow morning or this evening for us watching at home. I think it's going to go around a bit. They've got a chance to get back into the game. Um but you're right, you know, we, we will look and everyone will talk about broad missing out and all the, you know, have we got enough pace? Is the spinner good enough? The thing that's cost us in the last few Ashes series is batting. And the batting, again, last night, you know, it wasn't a great start for it. But I have faith, actually, in that middle order of Stokes, Root, Butler, Pope, that they can come good. They're going to have to. Yeah. I think Glenn McGrath after play today was offering a little bit of advice to uh, the, the England bowlers and he was basically saying as you'd imagine bowl like he did metronomically <laughs> in all the right areas don't get impatient but you do slightly worry that they won't and we'll start digging it in short and that's it's going to be the key they're going to have to be patient aren't they even if that's Australia, make, in Australia make a good that. start yeah absolutely yeah. and that is exactly right and that's why Ollie Robinson's picked I mean I think Ollie Robinson's a fantastic bowler mm. and they reckon that it's all about height so where you release the ball from as as opposed to just pace so they got uh, Ollie Robinson with that Wokes will nibble it around um, Mark Wood with a bit of pace but the, the game is on Warner if he comes out because he's an aggressive player that, he's the player that I like because he will put you under pressure you know he's an, England's opener's don't necessarily, or top three, don't put bowlers under pressure. Warner will put them under pressure. Labashain will put them under pressure. Um, so that's where the game thats where the game is tomorrow. It was interesting to hear Alastair Cook talk about David Milan and saying, you know, that in Australia, you've you got to leave that ball on length. And I suppose he, know, he knows what he's talking about. And it did look that way. Yeah, it did. That, that's, he's absolutely, you could have left that ball. You could also have just cut it, you know, done something with it other than nick it. You know, I always, uh, 
I just don't like this sort of attitude where you just got to let the answers always to leave the ball. Put the bowlers under some pressure. You know, England's batsmen, the batsmen have done well in Australia, have done that. Cook himself. You know, if, if you bowled short and wide to him, he would cut and pull you to ribbons. He never, ever missed it. He was one of the best players of short pitch bowling we've ever had. And that's what England have, you know, have your area and look to score. I mean, uh, word in Australia, mm. they bowled well, they held their catches, mm. they, they couldn't have done much more. Could they? I mean, they are a very good side, we, we know that. Their batting's uh, certainly not great. No, their batting's not great, but they've got well, They've still got players like Warner and Labashane and others who can stay there for a long time. So, Yeah, they, they were, I mean, uh, that Cummins, he, I mean, how good is Cummins? I thought he, he is, a, him and Hazelwood in particular, Stark. You know, he's a bit more hit and miss. If you're a captain, you throw the ball to Stark, you're probably thinking, here we go, what's going to come today? But Cummins and Hazelwood, they're just relentless, aren't they? I mean, they're good pace. They've got so much control. That battle with those two versus Root as well, you know, that's one nil to them in a big, big way as well because the last thing that Root has to prove, I think, as a player, you know, or he'll want to conquer himself is Australia, in Australia in particular. And that's the first blood to those two. Mm. Well, we hope for better things. Yeah. Uh, I've got faith in Stokes too. I think he'll come good. Yeah, I mean, we should a quick word on him actually, Rob, before we let you go, because you know it's, he's very undercooked, isn't he? So yeah, we, but he tried his thing that he does when he's, he puts together beginnings. Was it eighteen balls before he scored something like that? Yeah, look, we we have needed Stokes for the last year, driving the culture of that team. Dri- you know, the positive. You think back to the summer when we didn't even go for two seventy and eighty overs or whatever it was against New Zealand. Ben Stokes would be sitting there. You think, going, no, 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 hang up. We're having a go at this. We're here to try and win these games. So I think you know Stokes. He's really the person that everyone can get behind and set the tone. And it, you know, if he's doing something positive, as he will be. You know, I don't care if he fails as long as he's doing that and not going into his shell. Well, enjoy tonight as much as much as you can, as much as we all can. Thank <laughs> you, Ron. Thanks a lot. <laughs> there we are. I won't be watching. I'm telling you, by the, end, by the end of the fifth test, BT's viewing figures, you can count them on one hand. <laughs> People won't be watching. Not unless you're an expat Aussie. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, that's true. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Paul's and Andy Jacobs here on Talk Sport. Manchester United in action tonight. Old Trafford against uh, Young Boys. Yes. And uh, the expectation is that they will change things up as uh, Manchester United are through. Um, so what uh, sort of team can we expect? And uh, who's going to be looking to impress? And Because, you know, this could be the last, last mm. chance at Saloon for one or two players. Mickey Gray, of course, is Talk Sports man in Manchester, former Sunderland and City defender. Good afternoon, Mick. Good afternoon, Paul. Andy, how are you doing? Not Good, bad. thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's interesting. He started to put his backroom team uh, together. They brought in a sports psychologist. I mean, the first time for a while since Steve McLaren had somebody in situ at United when he was a coach. And uh, the, the, I think uh, a guy called. Christmas, which is fantastic. Chris Armas, but I mean, it's, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good time. To, Chris Armas, it's, it's a good time to take on Chris Armas, isn't it, at this time of year? But yeah, starting to build the team in in his image. Yeah, happy Chris Armas. Yeah. Um, no, he, well, he spoke about it in his first pre- press conference, Paul. That he wanted to try and bring in two or three new faces um, to try and you know stabilise the backroom staff for obviously his time in charge at Manchester United whether it's going to be six and a half months or whether it's going to be a little bit longer than that um, he's jumped at the chance to try and get them through the door as quick as he possibly can you talk about the um, 
the sports psychologist, and he, and he talks about getting into the heart, the brain, the blood, or whatever it takes of the players. Um, I think the difficult thing that he's going to have is over the next month and a half is he's not really going to get much time to work with the players on the training ground. It's all going to be done in games. He gets the opportunity to have a look at some of his fringe players tonight. I think he might make quite a few changes, to be honest with you. So um, it's going to be interesting to see if he sticks with the 4-2-2-2 system that he played at the weekend against um, Crystal Palace. But I think, you know, you've got Matic, I think, Jesse Lingard, Mason Greenwood, maybe Alanga might get an opportunity as well. So um, it's a chance for him to have a look at them probably on the best stage of all, which is in a in a game situation. Because training's high intensity, of course it is, but there's nothing like football matches. The idea that he's only going to do six months is absolute nonsense, isn't it? You, you know he's yeah. going to say, and the person I'm recommending, oh, it's me, actually. <laughs> well, he said that. But, I mean, no, obviously, he'll have he to is. do a good job. And, you know, cause I was quite impressed with how quickly... Um, he seemed to have implemented his ideas. He's obviously, you know, he had so little time to do that, but they seem to have bought into it. You know, it wasn't perfect, but you could see what he was well, trying I think to they were achieve. Quite pleased to get some coaching at last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I agree with you, but I think for 45 minutes, it's probably as good as I've seen Manchester United play without scoring a goal. Um, it seemed to suit the players. Uh, McTominay and Fred looked as if they had decent games, but, but just looked comfortable in the system that they played. And then Cristiano, with having Marcus Rashford alongside him up front, it um, kind of took away everybody looking at Cristiano, thinking, right, is he just going to be the man who's going to be pressing and everybody else follows on from that? But um, he only had one day to work with the players. I think we, we can't forget that. Um, but he's obviously had a couple couple more days to, to prepare for this game against young boys. And it is going to be interesting to see if he does stick with that system and... and what his new coach is going to bring to the team, this Chris Armas. Well, we don't know. Well, he used to work at Toronto. He's coached there in New York Red Bulls as well. Well, as we know, the Premier League's a different situation to what it is um, in America. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be tempting as a Manchester United mm. player. If you like Chris Armas and, you know, other coaches come in, they are going to start saying, I wish it could be Chris Armas every day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Here all week, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's good. Yeah. Um, he, well, he, I mean, it, it is kind of basics. He was just talking about it. He looked at their record of conceding at Old Trafford, saying you know, no clean yeah. sheets at Old Trafford since April. That's not a good sign. Is he quite yeah. rightly said that? Them's the basics. I mean, he, you know, there is, there is that about him as well. He is quite no-nonsense, isn't he? No, absolutely, Paula. But I think he has to be. I think when you only get that short period of time, and Andy, you know this as well, with Thomas Tuchel when he first took over, um, he had to hit the ground running and he certainly did that. And I think that's the expectation at Manchester United is that's what he's got to try and do, Ralph Ranyuk, while he's in charge at Manchester United, um, to get the best out of the players, um, to see moving forward who should stay at Manchester United and who maybe has to move on because there is going to be changes there, whether they're going to happen in January or not, um, we're yet to see. Um, he got off to the perfect start, didn't he? Obviously, at the weekend against Crystal Palace. And I think it's moving forward over the next couple of weeks, you will start to see his philosophy and what he wants to bring to Manchester United moving forward. The goalkeeper's interesting because uh, Henderson's probably going to play tonight and there's been some talk that Ajax want to take him on loan, potentially. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, where do you stand on De Gea at the moment? I mean, there was times in the, the sort of dying days of... Fred stood on him last week. Yeah, Fred stood <laughs> yeah. on him. Yeah. Where do you stand? Normally on his foot. Yeah, that's right. But, I mean, he, he, he you know, he was he was the, the keeping him in games, wasn't he, when they, they should have been losing by more? Well, I think 
Dave would be the first person to to admit that he, he obviously had a dip in form. I mean, he lost his, his place for his national side as well. Um, he came back early in pre-season. He wanted to prove to, to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer that he was the man to, to stay in goal and, and obviously take Manchester United forward. And I think from his performances this season, I think you have to admit and agree that he's been probably Manchester United's best player. Some of the saves that we've seen from him this season. And you have to feel for Dean Henderson a little bit. I think he um, he had COVID in, in pre-season. Um, he's, he's picked up a little bit of an injury, so he's obviously had to fight his way back into the squad. He's got himself there now. I don't, I don't think personally that that loan did will happen to Ajax. I think it's it's nice to have a, a strong number two. And they've certainly got that in Henderson. He's, he's waiting for his opportunity. He's going to get that tonight against Leipzig. Um yeah, sorry, against young boys, and you just have to uh, you just have to think that he's just got to bide his time. I mean, his opportunity will come at Manchester United eventually, but I think at the moment they've probably got the right goalkeeper in at the moment. The battle for third and fourth is going to be interesting, isn't it? Because you know, yeah, it's not going to be easy for him. I mean, Spurs look like they're improving. West Ham are decent, and uh, even Arsenal, right? They've had a couple of setbacks, but you know, they, they'll think they can do something. So mm. it's going to be tough, I think. Yeah, I think it's so important to, to finish the group stage, uh, Andy, finishing top of the table. Mm. Um, it gives you a better mm. look at what's coming in the knockout stages. What a game that is! We're Atalanta Villarreal tonight as well. I mean, there's only a point between the two of them. They drew the first game. So that's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on as well. But, um, you know, I think we're more interested in what uh, what our boys, the English guys, can do as well and how far we can go in this competition. Because I think, I, I don't know, do you put Manchester United in this bracket? But I think the other the other three look really, really strong and look like they can go all the way again. Um, yeah, and Liverpool finally, looking good. Yeah, Liverpool, very good, yeah. And, and finally, Ranjit also said yesterday that uh, Rafa Varane and uh, Edison Cavani will be training again. Next week, so they'll they'll be in the frame, we would think, over sort of Christmas and into the new year. So, how do you see Cavani fitting into this sort of brave new world under Ranjit? I think it'll suit him, Paul. I really do. Um, if if he sticks with that system, as I mentioned before, there's no reason why Cristiano and, and Cavani can't play the two up front um, because you've got um, the license for the two midfield players behind. If it is going to be Fred and McTominay moving forward. Um, sitting in front of that back line. And then you've you've got Sancho or whoever else you want to play, Fernandez, And let's not forget Paul Pogba. Mm. Paul Pogba's been missing. How does he fit into this system? Is he going to work hard enough for Ranić moving forward before we get to the end of the season? We don't really know what's going to be happening with Paul Pogba. I think he's, he's been given a bit of a leeway because of the injury. And everybody's asked about Cristiano and can he fit into this system? But I think having Cavani alongside him when he gets himself back fit, I think that'll suit Manchester United perfectly. Yeah, he's hard-working, Cavani. Yeah, no, he, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, Mick, enjoy the I'm game. Fit. Good to talk to you. Thanks, guys. Uh, Mickey Gray there, a man in Manchester. Um, and don't forget, we're around the grounds tonight with Adrian Durham. Um, and we'll keep you in touch with that one. You can react in uh, the sports bar with Jamie O'Hara and Jason Cundy from uh, 10 o'clock. And so we've got two live games for you tonight. Zenit Chelsea, uh, call it a six. Jim Proudfoot and uh, Matt Holland, your commentary team for that one. And then at eight o'clock uh, over on TalkSport 2, it's uh, Ian Danter and David Connolly looking at that huge game between Bayern Munich and Barcelona. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Now we had a, in the Scottish Open snooker, we had a uh, a record for a single frame um, in mm. points. We'll come on to that in a minute. Uh, Rob Moore joins us now, who uh, covers snooker for the Sun. Good afternoon, Rob. 
Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. We're going to start with some comments that uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan made. We read them in your paper today, actually, talking about the, the lack of investment in grassroots snooker in Britain. Uh, obviously, mm. making the point that uh, Yao Zintong and uh, Yao Bingtao are, are holding two major titles in this country: uh, the Masters and uh, and the UK Championship as well at the moment. Saying, it, you know, you look at what China's done; that should have been the blueprint. But um, I'd never really thought about that before. The idea of kind of British snooker academies to bring through the next generation. It's always felt like a quite a singular individual sport, but obviously Ronnie has picked up on it. Yeah, I mean, Ronnie obviously is part of that class of 92 generation. Mm. Then you've got the Selby and Neil Robertson generation, Sean Murphy. And then you've got the Judd Trump, Karen Wilson, Jack Lewowski, who are in their 30s. And below them, there's no one else really coming through from a British perspective. We saw Zhao Zingtong, uh, win the UK Championship. I was there at York at the weekend. We've seen Yang Bingtao at the age of 21 win the Masters. So China holds two of those three triple crowns. And yeah, I mean, looking to the future, <clears throat> excuse me, who else is coming through from Britain that's perhaps going to challenge when the likes of Ronnie and Higgins and Williams, Selby, Robertson, if they ever do retire from playing snooker, who is actually going to come through? And Ronnie obviously um, made these comments yesterday at the Scottish Open. Uh, quite surprising, really, because Ronnie's been sort of staying away from the politics he told me in an interview only a couple of weeks ago that he's trying to stay out of the politics. He just wants to focus on his own game. But I, it's in, it is an interesting dilemma for the sport. And I wonder, you're both snooker fans. Would that dilute the coverage? Would that dilute people wanting to watch it if there are no Brits, perhaps, in the final? If we see this influx of Chinese players regularly dominating and being consistent on the tour? I think it's when they build a replica of the Crucible in Beijing. That's it. We're off. <laughs> <laughs> they probably could afford it. Knowing the way they are about sport, they'll probably build a replica of the whole of Sheffield. <laughs> Start putting, putting hendos on everything <laughs> on everything they eat. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, I mean, obviously, they've taken it incredibly serious. We've known this in China. We know the game has been huge there for ages. And the idea that, you know, it's seen maybe as more kind of collective thing. I've just wondered whether you talked about all those generations of players from Ronnie, but Ronnie was inspired by Jimmy. That's why he wanted it to play and others were inspired by Ronnie and isn't it just that you know there wasn't a concerted effort by British snooker to set up academies to bring on the next generation of stars was it wasn't it a sort of fairly organic process based on the people they'd watched playing the game of course it is yeah it's very organic and of course we've not had many uh, snooker clubs open mm. during the past year and a half with the COVID uh, pandemic that's obviously diluted things Sean Murphy was complaining two weeks ago on your on your very show, you were debating on Talk Sport about mm. amateurs playing the sport. Mm. Well, of course, we need young British amateurs to come through and earn their tour card pre Q school because that's how they develop and progress. Um, China have just got this real young group of talented youngsters that are now through, and it's being led by Bing Tao and led by Xing Tong. And of course, they were inspired by Ding Zhong Wei, who, of course, mm. has never won the world title but has won a couple of UK championships. Just on that point, you made about the, the world championships ever going to China. Obviously, the Crucible has got this long contract in place in Sheffield. Barry Hearn has always said, having stepped down this year as the chairman of World Snooker, that it will never go to China. It will always be in Sheffield. But you just wonder in 10, 20 years' time, with Eddie Hearn running it, obviously Steve Dawson as well, whether they would consider a big money offer from China if one was on the table. I mean, money does talk. But at the moment, Snooker is going to stay in the likes of Sheffield and York. And, of course, the identities of the people playing the sport will still be British. But in the future... 
we may see a lot of more Chinese players pushing the likes of Trump and uh, Wilson in the latter stages. I mean, we've seen darts, Rob, get, get more global and we've seen you know, Dutch champions. We've seen more and more players from around the world. We are talking about this the other day. So, And that's not, you know, it's, it's still very popular, it doesn't, and people get behind their heroes. There's people that love... Uh, Van Gerwen have been huge fans of his so you know I, I, I think that the sport can survive if it's, if it's still great players playing the game brilliantly then I think people will still watch it I think that's fair comment I think if you see someone compiling a 147 you don't care what the nationality mm. is but it does go back to your point about being inspired and kids taking up I mean sneaker yeah. fundamentally can be quite a very cheap and easy sport to play you almost you can play it on your own can't you you don't need to play it with someone and I think Ronnie is still around but it's fair comments to say, what is the future? But you talk to people like Jason Ferguson, who's head of the sport um, globally, and, and they say that they are trying to do what they can to encourage the youngsters coming through. It is cyclical. And I think we've been very fortunate in the last 40 years that some of the biggest names in British sport have been snooker players from these islands. Look at Steve Davis. You only have to look at the BBC commentary at the weekend. And it was loads of former champions like John Parrott, et cetera, et cetera. So there are strides being taken. Uh, and finally, Rob, we we mentioned at the top that uh, a new record, points record, was set for a single frame at the Scottish Open. Jimmy Robinson was the winner. Won the frame 178-6. And um, I'm sure a lot of people who don't follow snooker that closely thinking, how'd you get 176 points? So uh, tell us. Yeah, this was in the fifth and the final frame. So Jimmy Robertson sunk a red. He then managed to nestle the ball behind the brown. So poor Lee Walker is trying to come off maybe three or four cushions to get into the reds. So he hits a pink. He hits a blue. He misses the reds. He does that for nine times. Oh, no. the boxing match for wrestling no. match. Someone <laughs> would step in and say, enough's enough. Come on, lad. You know. oh, he then has gives up. So he gives up 40 points in foul. Oh. Jimmy Robertson then sinks a pink by mistake. So he then Walker at least gets his, his name on the scoreboard. And then Robertson gets another foul from Walker. And then Robertson sinks a 133 break. So in total, you've got 133 break, you've got that one red, and you've got 44 fouls, which in total makes 178. And that eclipses previous record of Dominic Dale from the Crucible in 99, which was 167. And it just shows Snooker's wonderful capacity for the quirkiness that we often see. Yeah. So Jimmy Robertson wins, progresses to the second round of the Scottish Open, incidentally being held in Wales, thanks to a final throw in which he scored 178 points. It's just fantastic. In 28 minutes as well, which is quite, well, a, Scottish quite a good sign of the watch. The Scottish Open's in Wales. I that's COVID reasons, is it? Or it, it? Yeah, COVID reasons. They couldn't find a suitable location. So we, we, I was in York at the weekend, and then all, most of the players, Ronnie included, had to then get across three hours to North Wales to play the Scottish Open. Only a snooker can that happen. <laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic. Good to talk to you. Thanks very much, Rob. Yeah, it's interesting. Good, thanks. Thank you. Rob Moore there uh, on the world of snooker. And yeah, that Scottish Open in Wales is ongoing, isn't it, Andy? Well, I suppose it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say I'm following it with the, the cricket carries on. I'll be watching it. That's the only thing <laughs> I'll be watching. It. You'll, be watching, you'll be watching every frame, won't you, really, <laughs> yeah. by, by the end of that. Um, there was a, a letter written to uh, the Telegraph today, Andy, from a guy called Peter Matthews, who said, um, in our junior school music lessons, I was never fortunate enough to be issued with a recorder. This must have been some ongoing correspondence, not mm. apropos or nothing, or a drum. Uh, my journey on, on a lifetime of low expectations commenced with always being given the triangle to play, which, you know, in itself, you know, in the wrong hands, a triangle mm. can be terrible. Well, it's a matter of timing normally with a triangle, isn't it? It certainly is, yeah. I'm just, have you ever 
played a musical instrument? Did you? I've never asked a question I've never asked you. I've read the inclination. Well, I've got my guitar. Oh, play, you play yeah. a bit of guitar, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chords. Self-taught? Self-taught, yeah. Really? Not very good. For a okay. very poor right hand. Okay, fair enough. So, um, <laughs> what, what, so what do you do? You just sound like you know, it's the strumming. I'm not. What good do you at strum that. along to? What you got? I, 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 you're not great rhythmically, are you? I've no. known you a long time. I feel like I'm saying this. I've got a great voice. So I've heard you. Not. I've heard you. But, sing. You know, I can you do struggle to sing in time. Yeah, you know. So how do you, do you just do what do you serenade the missus? What do you what do you do? Well, I used to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I spare her now. No, okay, fair enough. Off, you know. And how often does the guitar come out? Well, it's, it's on display in the... In oh, is the, it? Oh, yeah, it's a lovely guitar. It's beautiful. I had some bloke from Sweden. Contact so you got me. all the gear, no idea, is That's basically... That's the one, yeah. <laughs> it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful guitar. Wow. Yeah, so... But uh, my son will come around and play. He's quite good, so... Right, OK. Yeah. So it gets some use. Oh, yeah. You What's know. your signature tune? Now, if you're going to pick up the guitar now and you had oh, it with you... Say, like, let it be, you know. Oh, that's lovely. Beatles. Yeah. Very timely, of course, play, yeah. with a documentary on at the moment. <laughs> well, so very much so, Andy yeah. Jacobs <laughs> plays the hits of the Beatles uh, at the... I'll bring uh, it in on Christmas. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> I think so, I did bring it in one one time, years imagine? and years ago, yeah. We were in the old building. My, OK. But, uh, yeah, <clears throat> it was, yeah. I don't remember it being a massive success. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Andy told us uh, earlier on after the uh, sending off... Uh, for a punch in the calf. Who was a player? I've forgotten who played. Uh, Barella. Barella, that's right. Mm. Punched another player in the calf. Uh, Militao. And got sent off uh, for it. And um, Andy said, I, I, I never really thought about that. He said, I punched myself quite hard in the calf. And yes, it did hurt. And I thought this was a bit strange. Jimmy Bob White said, I've got to admit, I tried to punch myself in the calf to see how much it hurt after seeing said incident. I must be as weird as Andy. So maybe it was a common thing. Yeah, I think it's maybe, quite common. Maybe there was all, over, all the over the country <laughs> were punching themselves in the calf. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, I've got another in the occasional <clears throat> series, um, footballers that sound like injury claims lawyers. Oh, yeah. Do you want to know one of those? Yeah, please. Step forward then from um, Fleetwood's very own Harrison Biggins. Oh, yes. I, yes. I, I got a big check from them. Yes, I did. I, I had a slip, trip or fall. I fell off a ladder, which I felt was unsafe. And the management weren't interested. But I was given over £5,000 courtesy of Harrison Biggins. So well done to them. Yeah, I punched myself in the calf. And I, yeah, I punched myself in the calf and Harrison Biggins got me £1,000 for being an idiot. Yeah. And uh, I've got news from the Duke of Kent... Have you really? Yeah, he received uh, Brigadier You're David... still drinking there, are you? I am, actually. Yeah. Yeah. He received big... Brigadier David Allfree. Did he? Yeah, he thought it was someone who'd won... the news? Hudlines? No, he, what are you... he thought it was someone who'd won all three sets. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what are you talking about, Yeah, man? absolutely. And uh, we've, we, we, you might get Dolph Lundgren on tomorrow, I gather. And, yeah, uh, apparently it's a possibility. Yeah, His new film it. is called Castle Falls. Uh, we're wondering if it was about the 1967 Grand National. I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, Castle it... Yeah. No, I wouldn't if I was you, Andy. When it was, um, they love that in Cheltenham. No, they the don't. Irish, they when do. it was, I mean, imagine when that film was pitched to him. I doubt if he. He doesn't look like a jockey either. Really. He's a bit big, a bit tall for a jockey. Really, I can't see it being. That's a, true. Really, can't see it being about that. And Ed Sheeran has been playing football with Jedward yeah. in Los Angeles. I mean, are they still going? What are they? How are they out there? What, I've never seen anything that they've done, and I'm presuming they're still. You're not moving it in the right circles. Obviously, they're still. Are very they? much. Uh, well, I've had a single out a little while ago. They're, still, they're still there or thereabouts, as we say in football. <laughs> I'm surprised. Still making a living. Yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. Tyson. They came in once, what? didn't they? They were. They, they were quite. Yeah. They were. Oh they yeah, wore, they were. They wore Mike. you out quite quickly. Didn't oh yeah, they? they were with Mike Parry, weren't they? That was very That's strange. Right. They yeah. came, that was a meeting Three of, of the minds, maddest wasn't it? people I've ever seen in one <laughs> that photo. A, that was a meeting of minds. Mike Parry and Jedwood. <laughs> yeah.
And uh, we, it's true, we're going to talk about the Zenit uh, Stadium, uh, yeah. the fact that it's climate controlled. It, it would need to be. Do you remember we were there in uh, July for the World Cup? I think it was like end of June. Yeah. And it came out of the stadium, it was freezing. It's right on the Baltic. It's oh, no, it was. It was, abso- it was literally Baltic when we came it out, was wasn't Baltic. it? was Baltic. Yeah, it was for once. We got to let, we got to use that phrase properly. I was thinking I, I got ill the next day, so I don't know if it was the Baltic conditions or the hot dog we had at half time. Yeah. We missed well. It was because of that hot dog at half time and the very and the the whole concept of uh, queuing for mm. anything not being massively big in Russia. Not big. No. Uh, trying to buy a hot dog, we missed uh, Egypt's goal, didn't we? Of course. <laughs> we did, yeah. And I came back using mm. some very colourful language about the the very poor organisation of their outlets mm. uh, to discover that quite a lot of people around us spoke more English than I thought. <laughs> yeah, it's not good, and, is it, really? And, underst- and understood many of the words that I'd come up with. It got quite a big laugh, really. They probably got yeah. quite a kick from hearing that level of swearing from an e- in an English accent. Yeah, That's right. From that day on, they've loved this show. Yeah, they, they all tune in. They all tune in in St. <laughs> Petersburg. Well, Mark does, of course, and we'll be yeah. speaking to him later. He's there, looks after all their... Uh, UK. You probably saw the other thing we're going to talk about is that mm. all the Zenit players, a lovely R moment, all the Zenit players took mm. to the field yeah. to promote rehoming uh, dogs in St. Petersburg and they all took to the field holding a dog, didn't they? The last time we saw a footballer do that was in 1962 with the late, great Jimmy Greaves. Yeah. Held that dog and it. it, it, it sort of it weed on him. Weed on him. Yeah, that's, that's right, as he way. took the dog off the field, didn't it? It was charging yeah. round the pitch. Grincher couldn't get anywhere near it. No. <laughs> That's Tim Vickery remembers it. That's what I'm sure he does, and we'll talk to Tim a little bit later. And he won't call him Gorinchin, he'll be called something like Harinchin. Harinchin, yeah. Harinchin. We won't be able to pronounce it, yes. Anything else you want to talk about, Andy? There was a debate on baldness in the sun today. About um, what, sorry? A baldness. About baldness. Whether, whether bald men are more attractive than uh, men, with men, with, men with hair. Okay. Yeah, um, and it was TV personality Syrah Khan and former Strictly Pro dancer Ola Jordan. Debate. They're not bald, are they? Not really, no. Which looks sexier, full hair or brazenly bare? And unsurprisingly... <laughs> Your words or theirs? Theirs. Unsurprisingly, okay. Syrah Khan, who's married to a bald bloke, she thinks bald men are more successful or more sexy. And Ola Jordan, who's married to a bloke with hair, thinks that... That's more sexy, isn't it? Well, that's, that's quite the, the, the debate, really, wasn't that's it? quite the survey, isn't it? I imagine both of their husbands, if they'd gone the other way, uh, I prefer a man with hair despite yeah. being married to a man who's bald. Although my wife does like men with long hair, which is quite surprising that she... Does she really? Yeah, yeah. Did she like James Horncastle last night? Was she impressed with that? I think she probably thought he looked great. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what you've got to go for. I want it, can, can you get it shoulder length, Andy, by, uh, within the next couple of years? It just you look like gra- Ben Gunn, wouldn't you? <laughs> That Coming out of your cave on Treasure Island. No, I'm not sure that's a good idea. Now, when I tried to. With your block of cheese, I don't think that's a great idea, Andy. I'm not sure that's going to work. Um, this might get the listeners mm. going on something, actually, today. Um, they had a bit of a sell-off of um, Only Fools and Horses memorabilia. And they're the obvious, the the Reliant mm. Robin that, uh, that Del Boy had, went for £24,000. Uh, yeah. You know, that's a real iconic part of the that show. You know, yeah. no, I can understand that. I wouldn't pay that, but yeah, I can get it. His coat, flat cap and jumper, again, very iconic. That went for two grand. But there was some kind of really one What about the, the bar that that he fell through? Well, the, well that was probably, that's probably in a BBC <laughs> lock-up somewhere, <laughs> uh, is, isn't yeah. it? Exactly. But um, the nice thing went was the medal that Trigger got. Is road sweeping medal? Do you remember that? <laughs> no, I don't remember that. that. Went, but so, if you're a real fan of the show, mm. to, to have something quite as iconic as that would be fantastic. But there's that place, seven thousand seven hundred pounds. Is it a place somewhere where it's, it's an Only Fools and Horses bar somewhere? 
Is it in Cyprus or yes, somewhere? it was. Yeah, they had. Um, I, I, we, we were just over. It was right at the end of the season. We had a little sneaky week away, mm. and it was just all these things were closing up, and a lot of bars had closed. So we went into this place, and it was only. Th- and they played every episode. Really? Of I don't know if if um, the, the late great John Sullivan and his family collections, because uh, he was with us at the time, were aware of the fact that they'd built old business on his show. I don't know if he was. I don't know if. Uh, they were seeing any gravy for this, but it was quite. A, if not, I mean, it'd be, it would be quite they difficult. Have, they could have issued was, cease and desist. It would be, but you know, that's it, it's almost like they've set up a business in the Del Boy style, <laughs> haven't they? Really, it's like something Del Boy would do. So it's quite difficult to have a go at them. But they showed all of the episodes, well, many of the episodes, on a loop, and the bloke, mm. the bloke that. Um, <laughs> Work there. It was a sort of little separate guy, you know, yeah. in his forties. And uh, I said, "You're a fan of Only Fools and Horses?" And he says, "No, not really." Not really. <laughs> so I'm thinking, it's, how many episodes has he had to watch? Even I should still not quite got into it. Maybe it's just. Was the sound playing? Was it just just the pictures? Oh no! If you had the, the whole sound on, you could just watch oh. episode after episode. Oh, that's it's a quite a nice way to while away the afternoon. Drunk on Keo. If you're in Cyprus. Yeah. Okay. So look, if it's raining. It's, I don't oh, know if it's Martin still Keo, there. It was, it was a very nice bar. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. It was, and I'm sure it was all legit. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show, and uh, we'll do it all again tomorrow with uh, Charlie in the studio for one. Andy will be with us, of course, for the birthday spread. You say you have, uh, you have a surfeit of gags. Well, I have. Yeah, I've got a choice. But wow. uh, I was going through them last night, and some the of them are. not great. No, not bad. I'm quite, you know, quietly confident that okay. uh, it won't be a complete disgrace. Good. Okay. Well, high praise indeed. All right. That's all to come thanks for listening if you can join us from one tomorrow great if not podcast available around four you've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.